Right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 49 for Monday, August 8th, 2011. 49. I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. That's well said. You sound like a radio guy. Sometimes I speak with a radio voice. Yes. Yeah. The I-49 westbound. The I-49 uh, westbound is good. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, as I've now recounted to you before. Yes. Pinhole camera, guy I know, laser cutter, is cutting me some holes. <laughs> that was a much more uh, succinct version of what you mentioned earlier. Well, because, you know, do you really need the details? It's nah. just that, I, but I was reading online somewhere trying to figure out how to make a better hole for a pinhole camera. Yeah. And came upon this website where it's this uh, laser cut metal design company place that, as a little side business, makes these caps. Huh. And apparently they use a laser to cut the hole in the little metal piece that goes in the hole on the, you know, to make the actual pinhole. Lasers, man. Yeah. They use lasers. They use lasers. And uh, they cost like 40, 50 bucks. Yeah, but I met but I met this guy a few weeks ago when I was out with Craig, who owns one of these machines, because uh, that's what he does for a living. And I emailed him this morning and said, "Hey, you know, remember me? You think you could do me a favor?" And you know, and uh, he's like, "Yeah." The only thing is, we can't cut metal. Apparently, his mach- his laser cutter can only do it'll do like wood and plastic and everything like that, but it won't do metal. And I don't know if it's the reflectivity of the metal, maybe, like you or, know, you need the- to the strength of the laser i think you need stronger yeah lasers that, for that too but i mean it cut through pretty thick wood very fast so a little tiny very thin piece of steel you think it would just blow through like nothing you know i don't know anyway so he says though that uh there's this really thin acrylic that actually got has like a foil on one side or in the middle or something mm. uh so basically it's completely opaque but it's really thin but it's still plastic and i said well it sounds fine as long as it's thin and it's a perfect hole then uh, it's good to go, hmm. but it's, I don't know. It's very exciting. I, you know, I like doing the little, even though it's not like a thing that is making money necessarily. Yeah. It just seems like a fun little photographic thing to do. No, I, I, I got you. I'm hell dude. I do tons of fun little photographic things that don't make money. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. but pinhole photography, uh, isn't one of them. Oh, so you're going to love this oh, up boy. on my roof the other day. Uh, uh-huh. this girl Samar came over. Oh yeah, uh, you saw nice, this picture. I saw some nice shots. You posted yeah, that she's stuff. she's seriously pretty girl, mm. and uh, so she's wearing this sari. She's Pakistani. She's wearing this sari up on my roof. Sari, yeah. And uh, I've got the acute B on a on a stand with a sixty inch soft lighter. Uh huh. Pulling the full on Annie Leibovitz. Uh huh. And uh, so we're doing it, and and her boyfriend Hal is there too, and Heather's up there with us, and they're holding. The light stand so it doesn't blow over because it's a little windy, which mm-hmm. is what makes it interesting, blowing the sari and her hair around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there's a particularly windy gust, particularly strong gust, which, you know how in pro photo umbrellas just sort of stick in and they're held by pressure? Yeah. Like there's sort of a ball bearing like detent in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently this wind was strong enough to pull the umbrella straight out of the head. Uh oh! And off the roof of my building. Oh shit! So what happened? <laughs> so yeah, there was there was a half a moment where, yeah, it was like oh shit, because uh, <laughs> it goes flying off the roof, and what well, I'm five floors up, four floors up. So where did it, did it go towards the street or to your the the, the towards alley the street? Behind? Towards the street. Yikes! Yeah. So, uh, we're all like, <gasps> you know, we all like kind of go running over and tentatively look over and apparently it was kind of falling down. Well, the nice thing about it is that it's an umbrella, right? So by definition, it's not going to fall like a rock. No, sure. It's going to waddle down, you know? Yeah. Which it did. And apparently it landed and Heather ran down and got it. And apparently these guys down the street, uh, grabbed it for her. They're like, hey, you know, we got it for you. Don't worry. Like, I think she's like, I think they thought I was like your assistant and I was getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, funny. But it was just, you know, it's just you're shooting, everything's going really well, and then a gust of wind blows your light effectively off the roof. 
Oh, that's the worst. I was on a shoot a couple months ago up in Westchester, and we had to put these just, you know, he wanted to use big silver reflective umbrellas to kind of match a sort of sun sunlight look. Okay. Uh, you know, like a harder look. Yep. And uh, and even though we had the stands bagged and, you know, it was as secure as you could reasonably make it, there was just one heavy gust of wind and one of the stands took a dive. And this this, this was the tall one that was up a good 10, 12 feet. And it just totally uh, destroyed the umbrella. <laughs> it, was oh, one yeah. of those, it was one of those nice... Uh, uh, LumaQuest? What's the the company with the purple eye icon? Yeah, I think that so, might be They make Luma little Quest. soft boxes, the Soft Dome and the Q series or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think I that remember. is LumaQuest. Um, you know, so I'm, I, it was probably like a nice, like a 50 or $75 umbrella. It was a big one. And the shaft just got totally bent and like at a right angle. Nothing we could do. We had to gaff it all, you know, ghetto style after that. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, in some ways, that's one of the advantages of using cheaper umbrellas and, 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 uh, modifiers. Yeah, because if know? they fail or break, yeah. you don't have to spend a million dollars. You buy Chimera, uh, boxes and they cost $500. It's like, yeah, okay, it's beautiful and everything, but. Yeah, but, you, but the softbox is a different story. It uh, is true, but the umbrellas, like those soft lighters, the 60 inch I used, it's kind of. The one I've got is kind of binding up anyway when I try to close it. Like the uh, the struts inside are kind of start have rotated. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, they, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's which annoying. It's very difficult to undo. You know? Yeah. At a certain oh. point, you just got to say, "All right, I'll throw this one out." And yeah, uh, get and a I, new I would one. imagine like the difference between the the soft lighter that you have and then the pro photo version is like six hundred percent. Oh yeah, I mean this know? one is like I think they're eighty bucks or something. Something like that. Yeah. And then, so it's kind I mean, of a no-brainer, you know. I don't think Profoto makes anything that's cheap. No, or uh, who's who makes those? It's not Bowen Broncolor makes those yeah. giant parabolic ones that are like twelve grand or something. You know, some oh, ridiculous or breezy. Thing. You ever seen the breezy? Oh, the ones? breeze stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guy nice. I knew worked for like their headquarters here and like borrowed some of those lights. I don't actually like the look of it most of the time. Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, it, it is definitely. It, they're really popular in fashion. Yeah. Um I don't particularly care for it myself either, but yeah. they're they're cool looking. I mean like from a design standpoint. Oh, they're they're as objects, the lights themselves are very neat looking. They yeah. look like almost like flowers kind of like the way that yeah. Uh totally. but uh yeah, so anyway, the thing goes blown off the roof and it survived. So instead for the rest of the shoot, I had Hal and Heather hold up my four by six diffuser in front of the head. Oh there you go. So that, you know, it's not gonna get away from both of them on both sides, you know. Sure. Uh, but it actually just shows you a weakness of the just slide the thing down in the middle of the Profoto uh, design. Well, what you could do is is put a little clip on that, you know, like a stopper. On the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Still pain in the neck. Weird. Totally. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. Sorry to hear it. So as an update to last week's talk about uh, laptops, my uh-huh. friend Amy, who had the white MacBook, upgraded to a very nice... Uh, current generation MacBook Pro, two gigahertz i7, which can you know overclock to like two point eight or two point nine or something. Yeah, no, those uh, are sweet. Quad core, uh, five hundred gig internal hard drive, four gigs of RAM, and then I when I got it, she shipped it to me. I got it and I ordered a uh, eight gig update uh, upgrade from Newegg for fifty bucks. Sweet. And uh, so she's now got this sick machine. And I set up all the software and everything, and it's very, very nice. Uh, so she got a good deal on it because she uh, was able to uh, get um, uh, the deal through the refurb. She got it refurbed. Uh-huh. You, have you ordered anything refurbed before through Apple? Absolutely. Um, let me think. Uh, my Mac Mini was a refurb. My uh, original PowerBook G4, the Cons- one that- preceded this one was considering it it's the fact the fact that it's a one-year warranty and you can still get apple care what's the downside uh the downside in my personal opinion is you do run a uh, one in ten chance uh of getting an actual like lemon an actual busted computer like you know uh i would say most like 90 percent of the machines that are sold on refurb are returns you know, they've already been opened. Returns DOA or returns 
like like buyer's remorse like oh okay. this isn't what i wanted or oh i can't afford this or or oh this you know this this thing is just not fast enough or you know i i need something bigger i need something smaller you know that kind of thing but some people return computers because they just they just don't work right you know every time i do this this happens and i don't know why you know yeah. and you know they're like all right well it's been less than 14 days so we'll take it back no questions asked and yeah, but- so, sometimes the person you know and maybe they did like do some weird damage to it that just didn't didn't get uh picked up on the on the tests or whatever but but for the most part i i have only like again i have one in ten i would say at the very most maybe even less than that um most of the time the refurbs are uh, are great and there's actually uh what some folks don't realize is that the refurb stock like the the offerings on the re- apple's refurb page uh are sort of dynamic so it's not like you can just go there you know, at 9am in the morning and then go back again at 5pm the same day. And, and the, the, the offerings might not always be the same. Right. So it's, it's the kind of thing where if you're in the market and you want to sort of, you know, keep an eye out for good deals, you want to be, you want to be checking it at least once a day and just kind of keeping an eye on it. Uh, and I've seen, man, I've seen some deals like you can get some stuff up to 30 or 35% off in some cases where they're just trying to get rid of old stuff, you know, and they're obviously this isn't like any new stuff. But um, but thirty five percent off is no joke. Well, it's no joke if 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 it's something that you don't need the power for. You know, if you were looking for a Mac Mini to be a little server in your closet and it's yeah, not and using you just any need juice it, anyway, exactly. Or you needed another computer, like you needed a, a you know a portable as a sort of a you know loafing around the house kind of thing, or as a spare or something like that. Or yeah, yeah. or you just don't have any money <laughs> and you need yeah, it no. the cheapest possible. Well, that's the thing. Um, she got it for two hundred fifty dollars off the list price. Nice. Uh, and she used the one year no payment financing. Oh, yeah. Same stuff. as cash thing with the Janus or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so she got a good deal. And the only thing that I would have done if I was going to buy it new, I probably would have gotten the high res screen. Sure. Because the low one is actually the same resolution as my new Air. <laughs> it's fourteen forty by nine hundred. Right. Uh, which is fine, but you sure. know if you're really doing it like, you know, spend an extra hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would. But too. that would have been an extra three hundred dollars because. And then I would also probably get the 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 non glossy display as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but you know, beggars can't be choosers, and she is not in a situation where, I mean, compared to the upgrade that she's coming from, it's still a world of change across the board. Oh, totally. <clears throat> uh, so I put eight gigs of RAM in there. It should be fast. Tell you the one thing though, in the half a day that I had it here, that I was just installing software on it and getting it up to date with lion and all the rest of it uh-huh. uh no ssd huh. yeah and you get, it you is get used so obvious like my air <laughs> is so much more peppy than this laptop and this laptop would swim circles around my air as far as crunching numbers uh it just i don't think i would ever use for me buy or use a machine that did not have an ssd as a boot drive, like it's it's it makes that much of a difference as far as the responsiveness and everything in the computer. It's the truth, man. I can't uh, I can't deny it. I feel I snotty saying back. that, but man, if you're thinking of upgrading your computer, try putting an SSD in it before you do. Yeah, SSD and RAM are the two uh, no yeah. brainer no brainer upgrades. Like unless unless computer. you're rendering video all the time, which is why I made her get a quad core i seven. As opposed sure. to like the 13 inch, which you could have gotten cheaper, or even the air. It's yeah. like, yeah, but at the point at which you're rendering stuff or doing analysis for shake, there's like camera shake stuff built into the new Final Cut. Yeah. So it analyzes it and it'll fix it. Yeah. Um, like at the point at which you're doing that kind of stuff, that stuff needs lots of CPU. But most of the stuff people do don't doesn't need a lot of CPU. Uh, so you're better off with a lot of RAM and fast I/O. Um, which, you know, so she comes over here and she pulls out a few drives that she brought from her old computer. She keeps everything on external drives. But because her old computer is like a slow old one, she was using all these cheap USB 2 external drives. Which is fine, but you're not really going to work video off of a USB 2 external drive. Or at least you shouldn't just from a... Yeah, it's probably not going to be fast enough over time. Yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, so I said, you know, this computer, you have USB 2, but you also have FireWire 800, and you also have Thunderbolt. So yeah. going forward, and I explained to her the differences between the two, I was like, at least buy drives that have FireWire. Because she doesn't buy a lot of drives. So no, I said, but- spend the extra money and get a FireWire, or 
get one of those little docks like I have that you can click the bear drives into. Yeah. You know, one of those with FireWire on the back, they're like 80 bucks, but then you could spend $80 for two terabyte drives that'll click in there. Totally, man. You know what, I, it, what I miss? Um, they, uh, the earlier, I guess the very first gen unibody MacBook Pros sported a, a PC card uh, expansion slot. Yeah. You well, know, the, the 17s still do, right? 17s do, but the 15s don't. And the 15 is really, you know, uh, the sweet spot machine. But, um, yeah, I guess if you were really, if you really wanted to go all out, you got yourself the 17 inch MacBook Pro, which has the slot and the, and Firewire and Thunderbolt. Then yeah. you got all your bases covered because yeah. you can get this nice, you can get a nice little E-SATA PC card, card eSATA, you know, adapter yeah. for not a lot of money, like 20 bucks. And, I mean, Right now, the fastest you can move data, save for, for I haven't gotten a chance to see or touch or test Thunderbolt yet, but um, eSATA is pretty darn fast. And no, I would say that's eSATA that's will be as bet. fast as if it was a local drive on the machine. But yeah. then again, Thunderbolt will be as fast as it's a local drive on the machine too, because it's essentially just a PCI bus that's right to the outside. So if they theoretically, in the next year or so, come up with an external dock with Thunderbolt on it, you know, that yeah, would be like... That's going to be amazing, man. Oh, that I mean, would Th- be a game changer. Thunderbolt's got all kinds of cool stuff, man. Have you seen these these little, like, someone, they're developing, I think, Sonnet and one other company, they're developing a little PCI card chassis, basically. It's like a little yeah. box. It's I guess it's about the size of a large external hard drive, but it's designed so that you can put, like, a graphics card or yeah. any real any PCI card in there, like you would normally put into right. a Mac Pro. Um, and then it connects to your computer via Thunderbolt. So, Although I, Thunderbolt is limited to about four lanes of PCI, so PCI Express. So most of the graphics cards are 16 lanes. Well, I, so, wouldn't, I wouldn't use it for a graphics card. Yeah. I mean, I guess, again, you could, you could do that. But for, yep. for some of those folks who do um, multiple, who need the multiple I.O. for video or audio yep. stuff yep. or for, um, for if you wanted to, like, get a nice high speed, like, you know, you can get those, those port multiplied uh, SATA cards. Where you yeah. can have four eSATA ports on yeah. there. That's that's kind of slick. It's weird because it's almost a a it's a stopgap measure. It's like if I have an internal black what what is the company that makes the video black magic? Yeah. I think it's called. Uh AJA. Make those. AJA is the company, I think. Okay. Yeah. So if you get like some of these higher end video capture cards uh are are there and you know, do the whole thing, uh you know, you could you could take one of those and stick it in this box and then keep using it as is. The problem is is that uh, it's not obviously ideal for uh, it's not ideal for what you're doing because I mean it's fine, but you're probably going to spend five hundred dollars for that box where a new the new setup of the Black Magic will probably be Thunderbolt to be to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess, but I'm I'm just talking about it being like a neat. No, it's uh, it's a, it's a cool option. technical thing too. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Um that's never I mean the closest that's 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 come to that in the old days someone there was there was a company that made um a PCI chassis. I think the company was Magma or something like that that made those like PCI expansion chassis. So if you had like a recording studio and you needed like six Pro Tools farm cards yep. and you know your Mac your, your whatever your Power Mac 9600 only had like three slots or whatever and you needed nine slots You'd get one of these gizmos, which essentially is just a big box full of PCI card slots, and then it would have uh, a host, like you know, like a big umbilical rib, you know, ribbon cable style that would go take up one slot in the computer, and then you'd have you know the expansion. So they made a version of that which would do the same thing, but for PowerBooks using PCMCIA, the old right. school. Like the predecessor to PC Card or PC Express or whatever the hell they call right. it. Right, but obviously that um, that interface in the middle was a bottleneck. Yeah, well, yeah, but it was also the only only option that you had if you wanted to get any kind of PCI functionality onto a portable. Sure. No, um, absolutely. It's really neat, stuff. and I mean, ultimately, if they get the price of these things down, where you can buy external drives or external interfaces or FireWire Thunderbolt to FireWire adapters, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, that would be very very cool going forward. Oh yeah, man, I'm I'm psyched about Thunderbolt. I'm worried it's, though that the that the things are always going to be so expensive that it's always going to be a niche product. 
Uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, we could see the cables a are expensive, and they have active chips in them. And, yeah, but we saw know. the same thing with FireWire, man. I remember when FireWire first came out. Like, yeah, and where's 10, FireWire 10 years now? Ago. Well, it's on every Macintosh. Yeah, but it's, there aren't that many FireWire peripherals out there. No, I mean, you no, know, there's hard drives. There were. And there there were. were. Yeah, but it was always a little bit of a niche thing. Yeah, and part of that had to do with the rivalry between Intel and and yeah. Apple. And it's a little Sony. frustrating because if Apple had brought usb3 into their machines right now yeah you can buy usb3 hard drives which would be just as fast for single drives and that kind of stuff you know i think Uh, it would work fine but because apple is apple you can't yeah i think it has has my, my personal hunch on that and i think i might have talked about this in the past is that because apple made such um an investment you know in the firewire technology Instead of USB, and you know, we all know that Apple computers, you know, all have USB ports. And sure, you can pretty you can get the same basic performance from USB on a Macintosh that you can on a Windows machine. But there's also it's pretty safe to say that there's a difference. Like you can notice, you're not. I mean, I've seen USB drive performance. You know, Mac versus PC. PC almost always wins. And my hunch uh, about why that is has to do with. Um, it, 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 in, in my opinion, it, it, it traces all the way back down to the sort of the roots, if you will, of, of OS 10. And I have a feeling that Apple basically said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to put both in here. We're going to put firewire and USB support in here, but we're going to prioritize firewire. And for whatever reason, USB sort of got the short end of the stick and it's never been that fast and that robust. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Um, and then part of that has to do with also the fact that Apple, well, that, that, that from a protocol standpoint, um, FireWire requires its own dedicated hardware controller. Yeah. Like it requires a chip to do the, the the traffic cop stuff, whereas USB relies on the CPU. Yeah, you know? it's built into the chipset. Yeah, um, so but you I, know, uh, USB three is not yet built into the Intel chipsets. But I wonder if when it is, yeah, because you know it was supposed to be in Sandy Bridge and they pulled it out at the last minute, mm. but. At the point in which it is, say, these Ivy Bridge chips, which will be out in a few months, uh, I wonder if Apple will purposefully not support it. You know what I mean? Like, will they I, just have the drivers for USB 2, even though it's kind of built into the chipset? Or I don't know. I mean, I, I don't personally, man, I just don't see... Apple has taken some weird stances on some things, like like another example in recent They're kind of uh, petulant history. child sometimes. Yeah, is, uh, is the whole Blu-ray thing. Have you yeah. noticed? Like, Blu-ray's been yeah. around for what, like three years now? Yeah. And like, okay, don't put it in your computers, but even putting apparently other drives just trying to get to burn. Is it burning Blu-rays on a Mac or is it playing them back that is difficult or impossible? I think both of them. Well, I know that, that Toast can do it. If you have an external Blu-ray drive, Toast knows how to talk to it. Um, so I know there are people who do that. But uh, maybe it is the playback that's a pain in the ass. Because I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't think Apple's DVD player app... No, knows what to do. That with would it. So almost you, certainly not do it. Yeah, so you'd need some. Yeah, I don't know if it, like M player or VLC or whatever. Yeah, but there might it, not but. be the plumbing installed to be able to even deal with the copy protection and stuff. Oh man, yeah, I was just reading a bunch of tweets. One of my pals online was was he's like he's like you know what I'm I'm on the fence, man. I I can't argue with the quality. You know, Blu-ray definitely looks good, but this whole unskippable content thing—four minutes of unskippable content at the beginning of the yeah. of the disc—I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of lame. Yeah, I don't go anywhere. I, you know, the whole physical media thing, it's funny to bring that up is that, you know, I bought this air and I talked to my mother last week on the phone. She called me and, uh, and she was saying, you know, I, I, I have my iMac that you bought me a few years ago. She had a 20 inch core two duo iMac uh-huh. aluminum one. Nice one. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's fine and it's still, you know, chugging along fine, but it's in storage now that she moved out of her house and she's sort of staying with a friend until she gets a new place. And she said, you know, I kind of want to get a laptop. And I said, well, she's like, what should I get? And I said, I think you should buy exactly what I just got. You know, if you're going to be carrying it around, totally. get a little 13-inch air. Yeah. And so we ended up ordering one for her last week, and it got delivered. I have yet to see how she likes it, but uh, yeah. but no optical drive. And I was thinking, you know, I didn't think about it when I was ordering it or talking to her, yeah. but I wonder if she's going to open it up and be like, wait a minute, like, there's no CD drive. Not that she watches DVDs and stuff, but like there might be software from her company 
that needs to install hmm. and stuff like that. That you know, hmm. I mean, yeah, she can go get a driver. They could put it on USB stick or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's also this nifty new um, in the sharing panel. Uh, yeah, sharing but then she'll have to get her iMac out of storage to do yeah. that whole thing. It, I think it actually works on Windows machines too. It does. If I yeah. Correctly. Yeah. But you know, it's just kind of it's it's it's. I didn't even think of it because I almost never use my optical drive. Yeah, I replaced my optical drive and my MacBook Pro with that second drive. I mean, yeah. I think we talked about that. And have you I, any had any downside back. from that? I th- you know I want to say that I've noticed a, a decrease in my battery performance. But this it's machine spinning. Yeah. I, I, but this machine is also pushing three years old now. It'll be three in November. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, and, and you know these batteries do not last forever, and uh, and mine is of the, of the first gen uh, variety with the removable battery. So my battery was never really it's you know by today's batteries MacBook MacBook Pro battery standards, um, it's it's already at a you know a, yeah. a shortcoming or whatever you're going to call it. So uh, that that would be the only thing I can think. You might want to get a new one before they stop making them. I guess I'm not. I'm worried I, about that with the one I just I gave Heather that Unibody MacBook, and you can still get the batteries at the Apple Store, but it's kind of like it's a it's like there's two of them on the shelf down in the right hand corner. You yeah, know? well, I, w- I would never get it at a store. Um, I'm pretty yeah. sure other companies, third parties, would make replacement parts for these. Yeah, two. how do you I'm feel not, about re- aftermarket batteries? I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done it for cell phones and stuff and cameras, but I yeah, but there's a lot more. N- intelligent stuff inside of a battery on a laptop isn't there um i guess i mean it has to have a certain it has to meet a certain requirement in order to work you know like the, yeah in order for the computer to recognize it uh and i guess the same thing with digital cameras too i know my my d3 keeps knows how many times the battery's been charged and discharged and what have you yeah it's like got a serial number on it something like that so yeah i mean my i guess my take on it is this uh if you can afford it um, go for the, the you know the original manufacturer brand, but yeah. if you can't and you are in a pinch, um, you can get two or three sometimes of the knockoff version, and it'll it'll do most of the same job. You yeah. know, like for my when I when I was shooting with Canon point and shoot cameras a lot, I had a few. I I got all knockoff batteries for those and just kept a you know one or two in my bag, um, and they worked just fine. Yeah, I, I did that for my 5D because you could get those so cheap. The battery yeah. that the 5D used is like a uh, almost a generic Canon battery. They used it in a pile of camcorders and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you could get them anywhere. You know, nice. Yeah, uh, and so I remember buying two or three. There's a company called CS Power, maybe uh-huh. C C something. We'll have to put it in the show notes if I could find it. Mm-hmm. That I bought these batteries from, and from what I had read and whatever, this was like one of the higher end companies that did that. Huh. You know that puts those together. Sure. Uh, so there, I think that there is a range, a gray area of these are good aftermarket batteries and these are crappy ones. Yeah. Uh, and the good ones are going to be closer to the price of real ones, but you know, you never know. Yeah. Uh, so, well, the, on the on the Macintosh side now, I mean, I'm sure you noticed, you know this, but you can't replace that battery <laughs> at all. It's it's built into the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So when I worked at uh, at Detouch, when we uh part of our standard location kit when we would send, you know, uh, a tech out with, you know, stuff that we knew he wasn't going to be in a studio, like on a beach or something like that. Um, the standard pack would include three external batteries, um, which yeah, there's, there's a really weird little history of, of like third party companies, you know, independent companies making external batteries for computers the the one that's seen the most news and I think has the best reputation is a company called Hypermac. Okay. Uh, I think if you go to Hyperstore or Hyperjuice, they keep changing the name around. Um, but these these batteries were pretty sweet. Um, they had their shortcomings. They weren't the world's most durable products, even though they had these aluminum <laughs> enclosures. Gesundheit. Thank you. Um, but and and they were not cheap. Um, or at least the you know the bigger one, bigger ones weren't cheap. But man, they did a really great job, and they could last. You know, they could they could last for a good four or five hours or longer, depending on what you were doing. Uh, and they charged really fast, which was really cool. Um, and uh, the, so so the I don't know if you remember this, but there's a big a big hubbub, a big to do 
um, because these guys were so when you bought a HyperMac battery, let's say let's rewind back two years ago when they first came out, and you buy buy a HyperMac Macintosh, you know, compatible battery. They had a neat cable that they basically took that went from the battery pack directly to the computer using the MagSafe connector, right? Right. Um, so this this was ta- it takes the place of the wall in the equation. Exactly. So when you plug this battery into your Mac, the Mac sees it as an AC connection and starts to charge its own internal battery. And then once that's done, it just powers the computer as normal, um, which is cool. However, uh, for whatever reason, Apple has never licensed the MagSafe connector technology. So I wonder no, why. no other. Yeah, it's really annoying. Uh, so no other company can make MagSafe compatible products other than Apple. Now the way around that um, is pretty pretty simple. What 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 Hyper Mac was doing, at least this is my hunch, is they were taking. Uh, actual, you know, proper official Apple power adapters, which you can get for like 75, 80 bucks. And cannibalizing s- them? Snipping off the, the transformer and just using the mag, you know, the MagSafe connector with that cable and then, you know, basically soldering on or crimping on, uh, you know, the, the little standard DC style, you know, pin and, pin and socket connection, you know, into that, that they could plug into their, uh, you know, their battery. I just picture all the little power adapters on a line going, Oh no, I know. Right. I mean, my, I, I would imagine though that that's not a bad game to play because a lot the, when those things fail, the, 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 the point of failure is the, is where the cable connects to the transformer. Yeah. So, so you can just, you know, if you take a failed one of those anyway, which is busted, you know, snipping it off with some scissors isn't, isn't the end of the world. These things are um, not that cheap, but no, if you need a lot of, if you're out, if you're like in the field, yeah, it's a, it's a lifesaver. Yeah, I mean, like some of them are 220 watt hours. That's like five or six times the the power of like the internal battery. It's yeah, it's pretty sweet, man. There's the you big could, you one. You could like work all day chewing through raw files with that. Totally, totally, and they did, and they did. It was awesome. Um, so what? So what? Here's what happened, and there's this sort of a controversy, and and I was working at Detouch at the time and had to deal with this. Um, we we purchased a handful of spares of those because they're you know they're small cables that could easily get damaged or lost. Um, and they basically got a notice from Apple saying, Hey guys, you can't be selling these anymore. And then they're like, "Uh Oh, so, so all of a sudden, you know, their product has been compromised as far as, you know, the ability to plug the battery directly into the computer. So currently they're like, if you, and if you go to their website, there's a whole explanation of, you know, your options on how you're going to, how you're going to actually use the product. Yeah. I think the most elegant of them all is a, is a pretty crafty one where you basically, uh, you purchase Apple's airline adapter which looks a lot like a 12 volt you know like cigarette lighter adapter for a car but apparently it's not the same uh and i think it only costs like 30 or 40 bucks i can't remember has a proper magsafe connector on it and then then hypermac makes um an adapter so that you plug uh it's basically like a female you know 12 volt jack that's compatible with that so you basically you know you plug this into that, you know, so you, you're basically using two different cables instead of one. Uh, not not as elegant, not as optimal, but probably just as functional. Uh, and then there's one. Oh, I think there's one other thing you can do where you can actually they have a little kit where you can actually cannibalize your own power adapter if you want to make one like they used to. <laughs> um, but I probably, for the nerds in the audience. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. But, you, you know, I, I went and I found that battery company I was talking about. Oh, yeah. So it is CS Power, cs-power.com or C-A-L Cellular, calcellular.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a good-looking replacement for your battery for their 129 from Apple. They sell them for fifty five eighty eight. Sweet. That's actually not a bad idea. No. Well, when, when, if, if the time comes, I'm not even sure if I'm going to hold on to this computer, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how I'll work it. It's funny, though, that like your computer, my air is probably just as fast as it's far as faster. CP, yeah, dude, this isn't mine's a core two duo. Yours is an right. i7. And you, and you don't even it's an i5. But yeah, you don't you don't even use. I mean, you're not really beating that up CPU wise. No, flash takes the biggest beating or gives it the biggest beating. I would say. Right. I always just I install those ad blocker plugins. Yeah, yeah, I've got click to flash on mine. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't do click to flash because there's some stuff that I like flash, but I just have it remove all the flash ads. Well, you can white space different websites. Yeah, I know, but it's just you know it's easier. I it, sometimes list. I Sorry, use flash. White space. White space. Um, white list. Not, I, I meant white list, not white space. <laughs> Sorry, I'm tired. Uh, all right, what else did we have on our list? We had a little list. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about list. storage a little bit. You were telling us we got. I guess well, I guess we kind of covered that there, didn't we? No, you know what we we're going to talk about was was physical storage. We were. Um, so recently, uh, I had a one of those. You ever you ever have one of these nights where you're taking a trip the next day, right? And you want to pack for your trip, you know. So I, I recently was. Uh, I flew to Iowa. We talked about that for a minute. Um, and I knew I wanted to bring some camera equipment because I was thinking about shooting a portrait. Um, and my my equipment storage situation at home kind of got out of control and <laughs> everything was just a giant mess. Yeah. Uh, you know, after several months of, you know, shoots and, you know, unpacking and repacking and changing bags and what have you, my closet, I have, so I have this one closet in my apartment that's sort of dedicated to my camera stuff. And that closet just was a giant mass, just massive, just stuff piles and piles. And it was totally unorganized and really annoying. So, um, and this kind of comes around to, to the, so I think, did I, do we ever talk about this? So you're not the kind of person that keeps your stuff in the bag all the time, ready to no. go. Right. So in fact, when you, I don't. Yeah. So I, there, I, I used to be that guy. I, you know, I am that guy with music stuff. So I have like, you know, my drums and, and other music related stuff kind of prepackaged and ready to go. So I could just pick it up and you know, walk off. Right. But my photo stuff I just can't because it, every it's, every shoot is different. So I, as much as I'd love to just keep my camera in a bag with with the the you know the same type of stuff I use all the time, I just I always inevitably after one or two shoots have to change something about it. So so basically, what I have is a whole bunch of different empty cases. You know, a small bag, a medium bag, a large bag, a backpack, a, my Pelican case. Um, you know that sort of thing. And then I have um, you know depending on what the shoot is and how, how, how I'm going to pack for it, I will, uh, I will pack accordingly. So, so the real key is just how do you store your stuff, you know, when it's not in the bag, when it's at home? Sure. You know, uh, I, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm bad at this. Uh, yeah. I don't keep it in my bag because I do use different sets of stuff and I use it a lot at home. You know, I'm, uh, there's a lot of times that I'm shooting people here, mm -hmm. uh, or I'm shooting projects here, or I'm you know playing with stuff. Uh, so I'd say about half the time I'm shooting, I'm shooting here. So keeping it in the bag, I don't know. There's something about it that feels very like 1990s yuppie guy who has his camera in the bag in the closet. Like just yeah. kind of feel, you know what I mean? There's something that's like it feels really amateurish to me, to me to keep to, to keep it in a bag. Um, I like to be able to see what I have. So I actually have a, I have a big closet, like a walk-in closet. And uh, on one side, I've got a big shelf, like a big Ikea thing. And I keep uh, all my lenses, you know, laid out upside down on that shelf with the body. And I've got, you know, some of my other glass. And then down the bottom is stacked up all different papers I use for my printer. And then there's a shelf up higher that keeps like flash and cables and and my pocket wizards and that kind of crap yeah it's i'm certainly not like an anal guy like if you go in there it takes you a minute and sometimes you're like ah oh, where the hell did that yeah whatever little adapter cable go for the pocket wizard or whatever sure uh but as a general rule of thumb i like the idea of of being able to go in there and kind of like look at what I have and take what I need, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm... And you know what part of that is, I think, is because of my experience in studios. I was yeah. actually thinking about this the other day. Yeah. Uh, it feels very much like a mic cabinet to me. Totally, totally. Um, and, and I was thinking about it the other day because I have... I do keep out, like, in the room a lot of times. I've got a uh, one of those Avenger stands with a little boom on it. Right, but that's more of a, a. I think that's just because you don't have anywhere else to put it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I could fold it up and stick it in the closet if I really wanted to, you know. But it's got a head on it, so then I'd have to take the head off. Sure. But I was thinking about it in the sense of, all right, why do I tear all this stuff down to this level all the time, yeah. only to have to build it all back up afterwards? Yeah. And this is sort of the same question that I had in the studio stuff. It's like, okay, we tear down all these microphones, but 
probably half the time, half of these microphones are getting set up and plugged back into the same exact spot. Right. Sure. You know, I do. Uh, so, you know, what is the, almost every session is going to have a drum kit and it's going to be over here on this side and it's going right. to need all these mics. Well, an even better analogy is, is, uh, is on stage. You ever go to a club and I, I, I always, I mean, it's sort of a love hate thing. I, I totally understand how like, you know, you go to a nice big venue. Um, and this, I guess I have more experience in Chicago with this, but you know, you go to a nice big venue, um, where there's a ton of monitors and, and mic stands and cables and everything always gets wrapped up and put away after every show, after every night. Just yeah. Because, and, and it's just, I think it's just because they never know what they're going to need, you know, it for seems the next show. madly inefficient, but yeah, at the but, same time, it might be sort of like, uh, always just reset back to zero. I mean, it's yeah, the same thing. That's with just co- it. I think it has consoles, something to do with Everything that. goes back totally. to zero. Everything gets totally. centered. Um, uh, I mean, I think it matters more if it's the kind of situation where there are a lot of people using it, you know? Yeah. If, but even still, I mean, I, I can think of one or two clubs where the sound guy was always the same guy or, or now back to this recording studio thing. I mean, if it's, if it's your studio, you're the one who's driving, you don't need to reset it every time, but that's, I think that's just the, 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 the way that you do it. You know, that's, that's the, the proven tried and true, you know, standard. Yeah. And I, but I, I don't know if it may, I do it. But I don't know that it necessarily makes the most sense most of the time. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I guess. So for, for me with photos, so I, I'm more inclined with with music stuff. I, I try to minimize the amount of, of teardown that I can. Although, again, as a as a subway drummer, you know, as someone who, who does not have a car and has to maximize the, the pa- you know, the packing that I do with with music stuff, um, I have to break things down pretty tightly just so I can carry it. You know, um, but with photo stuff, I guess it's different because let's, you know, photo shoots are, are more, there's more variety for me in a photo shoot than there is in a, in a, in a rehearsal or a performance for music for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, most of the time it's funny because I can, I'll carry 35, 50, 85 and a body and a reflector, maybe a speed light, you know, yeah. like that's that little tiny kit, which you've seen me carry a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. I could shoot almost anything totally that I shoot with with a back one small backpack full of gear that no one would ever know was like a fan you know like yeah nice well, photo gear. My current favorite pack uh, right now, which I've I've used a lot. Like if I had to standardize on something, it would be this. I have two. I have two of those crumpler buckets, uh, a wide one and a tall one. So the wide one is my light one, and I have usually four SB eighties in there, and then my pocket wizards cables a couple of grids, uh, gels, you know, uh, other little flash related thingies, grippy, you know, grippy type things. And sure. it, you know, it's small. It's like a lunchbox. It fits right at the bottom of my big Kelty backpack. And then I have the tall crumpler bag, which can fit at least two, if not up to four lenses and my body and then a battery and some, you know, cleaning stuff, uh, like, you know, like a, a lens tissue and whatever. Uh, and those two fit right on top of each other in the back of the backpack. And then from there, I can put up to four of those um, five section, you know, lightweight Manfrotto light stands. Although I usually only carry two. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then there's tons of room for other like little modifiers, you know, like grids and snoots and uh, and the even I can even fit that long, you know, the small of the soft lighter series, you know, the small umbrella, like the, the 30 inch one. Yeah. yeah, that fits in there. Um, and, and, you know, I, and then I've even just recently, I was able to even put one of my, uh, what's it called? One of my white lightnings in there along with the mini vagabond, you know? So, right. so How basically all this way in the end. Oh, I don't know. Way too much for a normal person. <laughs> it's probably like 50 pounds. <laughs> um, but when it's on your back, it doesn't, doesn't hurt. You know, it's fine. I've, I've biked around with that crap. It's not that bad. But the point is, um, that's, you know, I feel really confident with that. And that's, I've flown with that. You know, that's a really nice, sure, uh, huge kit that you can do a ton of cool stuff with. You know, that's, that's what I'm using for my pet, pet work. And, and for, you know, what's um, kind of funny is that like my too. kit's probably one third the size of yours. Yep. Like your little kit that you're talking about. Yep. But then, you know, you have wor- four lights. Right. But you've worked with people who have carried four times that amount. Five oh times God. that amount. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the, I mean the fact that my four lights are still, you know, the size of a lunchbox, you know, the size speed of lights. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and that's it's not the rolling that. cases worth of gear. Oh my God. Yeah. Now I've worked with guys who have, you know, a dozen large cases with like 
you know, eight packs and 12 heads and, and then that's just the, that's just the lights. And then, you know, you have to hold those up with something. So then there's, you know, you want, you know, you want to talk about a drum hardware bag. I mean, you know, lighting hardware bags are even worse because they're longer and bigger and heavier. So, um, so yeah, there's that some stuff people just who, kills me. The amount of stuff in there. Well, you know, they, they get used to their, their stuff and they like yeah. to look the way they want it to look. No, and I, I, you, you know, want to do it that it's way, just I, like, it just yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. You know? Uh, hey, you know, speaking of which, as yeah. a little aside, those little spec hard shell cases for laptops, you know, the things that clip on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are really you, popular. What do you think? Um, I think they're great. I think um, they're cool. In two, there's two really cool things about them. First of all, they um, actually there's a handful of cool things about them. Let's see if I can list them. Uh, cool thing number one is they do obviously uh minimize the scratchy denty stuff that can happen to your computer. Uh, I've had things fall on my computer, you know, like, like my machine was, was closed and sitting on the desk, but, but like a cell phone charger fell off a shelf or whatever. And then, you know, there's this now permanent little scratch or Nick on the, on the lid of my computer. That's never going to go away. And if that, if I had one of those little plastic covers on there, no biggie. Right. Uh, Advantage number two is that it sort of helps to, anonymize your machine i'm a big fan of the of the of the black one yeah Um, that's what i was looking at yeah which which basically turns your computer externally anyway into a black computer and i've always been a big fan of of black computers um and it 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 doesn't completely you know obfuscate the apple logo but you can do that if you want to put some tape on it um so that you know when it's open you can't see that hey i'm using a macintosh you know look at me um so there's that and it kind of helps to detract attention uh, and then the third practical advantage that I can think of is um, if you are using it uh, in the tethering context where you have one of those nice little laptop platforms set up on a tripod or a, a stand of some sort, um, you don't want to put Velcro on the bottom of your computer, but who cares if you put a bunch of Velcro on the bottom of this plastic case? You yeah. know, the plastic case is holding onto the computer pretty tightly with those little clips, so so you can essentially Velcro your computer to something like a table or a, or a platform surface without, you know, getting a bunch of gunk on the bottom of your computer. So yeah. those are three advantages. One disadvantage is that it does increase the overall external size. And, you know, I know what you're saying. It's like, dude, how much? it's like it's like three to five percent, which is not much. But I have had issues where it was just too snug. And this was with the 17 inch version, just too snug to fit properly into a, a, a laptop case and granted the 17 inch computers have, are always going to have that problem i've had Wait, did did you use them a detouch or did you use them yeah. somewhere else no a detouch detouch okay. standardized and on those so, so the f- go ahead. 15 inch so the 15 inch one if we're talking about 15 inches they're fine because you can generally but let's put it this way let's say you're you're packing two of those computers right so if you if you were to stack two you know 15 inch macbook pros on top of each other without the spec covers and then two with the spec covers the difference in height let's just let's just round it up and say that the the two non-covered computers are one inch tall, yeah. and then the two covered computers are like one and a quarter inches tall. And sometimes right. that quarter of an inch can keep it from fitting into the case properly. Right. I so, But, you know, so if you're a single computer user, like I was thinking of getting one for my new Air. Yeah. No brainer? I I mean, yeah, if, if you want a case for it, for sure. That's a great choice. Uh, I mean, I was even thinking about getting one for my mother or my friend Amy who just got that 15-inch. I mean, if she's going to keep that computer for three or four years, it's like I almost want to do everything I can to make sure that it lasts for three or four years. Yeah. One of the other minor, again, sort of disadvantages is that it does add a little bit of weight to the thing. And we're not talking about pounds here, but with such a light computer like the Air, you're going to feel the difference. You're going to... It it would be less noticeable on the 15 I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, technically, obviously, yes, it would be less noticeable. But the point is, if you were to have like, let's say I, I handed you two computers two two MacBook, you know, current 13 MacBook airs, one with a cover, one without the one with the cover is going to both feel like bigger in your hands and heavier as well because of the the whole, you know, mass thing. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying. And, and, yeah, and for no, some I, people, for some people, that could be a deal breaker. I personally wouldn't mind so much. But uh, I think one of the really awesome benefits, and this you can sort of say this about iPhones too, um, is that um, you you know the the device feels so darn good in your hand without a cover. You know you kind of don't want to. 
put yeah. a cover on it. No, that's know? exactly true of an iPhone. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, even for me, if I take this and I... That kit that I was talking about before, there's room in the back with the way it zips up that I could slide. I could even fit my old 13-inch. So this thing should fit no problem. Yeah. Uh, you know what's kind of cool about the, the current 13-inch, the, the current MacBook Pro design, is it's got a wedge uh, profile now. So you could probably put two of them together, you know, opposites. You know, Wait, the Pro or the Air? Both. No, the Air. The Air, okay, okay. Is, so the Air design is, and is, I'm just assuming that the Pros are going to go that way, too. Yeah. Um, but that whole wedge design, which is neat, so then you can stagger them. You know, you, one you one know. way, one the other way. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, but it would just be nice to be able to throw it in there without any other case around it. You know. Totally. Uh, all right. I was just wondering. And then, you know, do you use a lot of people use those sleeves, the neoprene sleeves? Yeah, Incase makes a pretty popular one. Do you like those? I do when I'm not using a proper laptop bag. Okay. Uh, so, so if I'm going to be, so let's say, so again, my trusty Kelty Red Wing 3100, I love that giant backpack. Um, if I decided not to put an additional layer of, of like gear in that bag, mm-hmm. I can still fit the two crumpler cases I described earlier and a 15 inch, you know, MacBook pro in one of those neoprene style, you know, form fitting cases in that bag. It's, I mean, it's a tight fit. But it fits just fine, and I wouldn't yeah. personally wouldn't like to put the ca- the computer in there naked, just because it's going to get you know the odds of it getting scratched up are much higher. You know, yeah. I mean, I used to I usually put my 13 inch in there without anything around it because it's like it's between the back of the backpack and a netting thing that goes yeah, over. Well, but that's again, you have that that layer of yeah. of insula- they actually it actually comes with like a little sleeve that velcros in. Yeah, yeah, Crumpler made some really nice, right. nice laptop. And I actually use that sleeve for like a camera case and all kinds of things sure. other times. Sure. Uh, One other just, thing to consider if you're talking about like protecting your gear, uh, I'm also a pretty big fan of using uh, those wraps, lens wraps. Um, you know, Domkey and Tenba and, jeez, um, there's a lot of companies, two or three companies that make them, and they come in a whole bunch of different sizes. Um, so you can like... So for me, I'm, a, I'm also a big fan of not necessarily using a camera camera bag, you know, capital C, capital B for carrying around my stuff. So if I have like my my shoulder bag, you know, um, one of my all time favorite bags is this uh, is this Jack Spade, you know, satchel, which is a pretty common bag in New York amongst sure. computer nerds. Uh, and it's I just like it because it's a it's it's a good size. Even when you fill it up, it doesn't get too big. Uh, and it, it seems to be really durable. It holds up really well. It's been weathering really well. I've had it for about five years. Um, but there's obviously no really in, there's no real internal protection. So what I'll do is I'll put my body sometimes actually with the, the, the D3 is a pretty sturdy body. So I sometimes forego putting that in a wrap, but I do want to keep my lenses a little bit, you know, safer. So rather than getting like, um, a pouch or, you know, in, in this case, the, the, the crumpler buckets are just too darn big. They're too big for that bag. So I will basically just take my lens and then I'll wrap it in one of the smaller, uh, I use a calumet, you know, the red on the inside and then felty thing on the outside, um, lens wrap. And then, you know, it's that much safer. You know, that's funny. That kind of brings up another little topic, which is like how careful you are with your gear. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, for example, a lot of photographers keep those skylight, uh, filters spun on the front of their lenses. Sure. Sure. Um, the idea being is that if you break something bangs into the front, it'll break bang a, and break a 25 or $30 filter as opposed to your thousand dollar lens. Sure. Um, for me, I don't do that. In yeah, fact, I'm, I take them all off. Um, me too. I'm not a filter guy. I am an unprotected shooter. Uh, <laughs> you don't you know. say. Yeah, I I, I shoot <laughs> bareback. Yeah, it's but you know for me it's like why would you spend fifteen hundred dollars on a lens to then put a ten dollar piece of plastic or glass in front well, of it? Like, it, you know, I I hear that, but dude, there are companies that make really nice looking glass. Yeah, um, no, in, you can get the B and W ones or whatever they are, yeah. or like the high end Tiffins. Totally. They're fine, and I've put them on, and but I've put them on, taken a picture, taken them off, and taken a picture, and there's a difference. Well, you know, yeah, there's going to be a difference. I mean, that makes it's, sense. It's, because it's, it's adding glare. It's, yeah. it's removing contrast. It's yeah. doing all kinds of things, and it's kind of like, well, for me, I you know, I, I'm trying to be careful with my uh, with my lenses and everything, but at the same time, I'm not going to kill to 
to I'm not going to ruin like de- uh, detract from my photos in order to do it. Well, but, uh, right, I but, could understand if you were walking around in the woods, you know, or you're traveling, maybe yeah. you keep one on there yeah. on a Zoom or whatever. Sure. Um but the, you know what bothers me is that when you go, I mean, I know why they're doing it, but like when you go to Adorama or B and H or wherever, they're like, "Oh, yeah. oh you need to buy one filter, of these." Yeah, yeah gotta it's have like, an extra battery uh, too. Don't don't forget. It's it's like you know you don't really need a filter, and you know what? I've had a five D and I've taken it on trips for a week, and I never brought even brought a battery charger because huh. it lasts that long. You know, yeah. you don't need a second battery nowadays. Yeah. a lot of times. Um, but it, it just the idea that this is an automatic thing, and I don't think th- there's a lot of people who never even take it off to know the difference, you know. Uh, and so for me, I want to get the most out of my gear, and that means not keeping the thing on there. I also will, you know, put an expensive lens down on the ground with, you know, the, I'll put it down backwards with the back cap on it, but without the front cap on it. If I'm like going to pick them up and swap while I'm shooting and that kind of stuff. I've seen you do it. And there are some people who are like, what the hell are you doing? You yeah. know, uh, in fact, Jay Maisel famously called me an effing a-hole uh, uh, for doing that. But you know what? Like, I, I just I want to take the picture and I don't want to lose the moment. And I'm not going to sit there for an extra 20 seconds putting caps on everything. You know what I mean? No, like, I know what you mean. It's I, not going to get I, uh, It's a little dust I, falling on it. Big deal. Yeah, I flip flop with. It depends on. Uh, so, so I'm a. If I know I'm in a situ, I'm going to be in a situation where uh, I can. I'm going to do a lot of lens swapping because, unfortunately, I am not in that luxurious position of having two uh, identical bodies where I can have my two most commonly used lenses, uh, at, you know, at my disposal, which is a, an optimal. You know, so if you're going to be in that situation. That, that's the that's the first thing you got to say. It's like, all right, well, if I'm going to be shooting an event, or I'm shooting something where, you know, I'm, I you know, I want to have more than one lens available, but I don't want to take the time or run the risk of changing lenses frequently. Yep. Um. Then then you know the answer to your problem there, or the answer to that situation is to have you know more than one body. But I am not in that position yet. Uh, at some point, I would like to be. Um. So what I do is I uh I did pick up a while back. Um. I pieced it together just, you know, with patience and time and, uh, on, uh, using eBay, the, uh, think tank, um, belt and pouch system. Okay. So I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of think tank photos, um, products. They really put a, a lot of interesting, uh, ideas and, uh, I think they put a lot of time and energy into the construction of their products, especially their larger roller bags, um, you know, when, 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 again, when I was at Detouch, those bags held up the best. Uh, they just took a real solid beating, and they're just really well, they're really versatile, well well put together, and I would, you know, buy one in a heartbeat. They're also kind of pricey. But anyway, they have this really nifty system where you can buy this belt of theirs, and it's kind of cool the way they've designed it. Um, you know, it, it acts sort of as two belts in one. There's a, reg, you know, the regular style belt where you can just kind of wrap. Hold your pants up? No, it's too big for pants. Unless you're very stylish and your pants have large belt loops. Gotcha. But I couldn't use it to hold up the sort of pants that I wear, unfortunately. Not without some additional clips or something like that. Anyway, um, you put these, you put this belt on and some, some, you know, belt friendly pouches have, um, like a, like a Velcro flap, right? So you, you basically unvelcro the flap and then you put the pouch against the belt and then the flap kind of closes around the belt and then off you go. Uh, or sometimes you'll see um, certain bags that have just a nice big belt loop on them and you can sort of slide a belt through them, you know? Um, but their design, uh, when all of their pouches have two options for mounting them to the belt. So there's that traditional, the belt loop mount. Um, and then there's also this sort of tabbed um, this option where there's a plastic, you know, a very hard plastic tab that goes down and the belt also has little loops on it, um, like little webbed, you know, loops all around it. So if I had to guess, you know, sort of like a bandolier or like a, an ammunition belt, you know, sure. where there's like, we'll say 30 of these little loops that are all like an inch, you know, wide. So what you can do is if you if you're the type of person who doesn't want that you you want that pouch right there in the exact same spot every time on your belt you put you know you, you use the little tabbed uh, option for mounting it but if you don't care or you want to have the flexibility of being able to kind of shove 
you know, certain pouches closer or further away, depending on how you're positioned. Like if you're going to be squatting or kneeling or laying down or leaning over or whatever, um, you have those options, which is really cool. So again, I, I picked up probably three of the different sized pouches along with the belt. And I, I, I had this, this sort of ongoing project with a, with a company here in New York, not a company, a non-for-profit organization where I was shooting their events for them. And after the second one, cause I, I you know, I, I was constantly shooting between uh, my 80 to 200 and my 2470. Um, and it just got to be such a pain, you know, having, have, like having a, uh, my jacket or, you know, wearing a vest with, you know, pockets and stuff like that. So I just put this belt on and it was super handy to have the, you know, the lens just sitting there right on my hip. Um, and when I kept the, so when I was shooting, I, I, I'd only keep one cap on either the front, usually it was usually the back cap and whichever cap, whichever side the lens was in the bag, I would, that would be the capped side. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, so yeah. le- I, I didn't mind keeping the front element uncapped if it was facing up, you know, sort of facing the air. Sure. Um, um, you but could also th- claim that the other way would be better. Yeah, some I actually, you know, I, I'm thinking back about that, and I think actually it's the exact opposite. <laughs> I think actually what I would normally do is I would I would keep the front the the lens front lens caps in my like pants pocket so I wouldn't lose them, and then I would put the because these bags these little pouches are sort of like felty inside they're not yeah. like abrasive, so I would keep the back caps on um, sticking out, and then I would put them you know front yeah. front ways down into the pouch without their caps so they didn't have to worry about that. Now, did you ever feel... See, my problem with these belts and pouches and, and vests and all the rest of it is that it just feels, like, really dorky. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, do I feel know. like no, I'm one of right. those guys there's... who's like, wow, that guy's really nerdy. Well, Like, basically a... like having a fanny pack on. Yeah, there's definitely a dork factor to it. But again, if you're only using one or two of them, yeah. it's actually not so bad. Um, okay. And, and when, when you find yourself... Yeah, there's there comes a point in time. I mean, hell, dude, you can say, don't you feel dorky with a giant lens shade on your eighty to two hundred? You know, with your with your thing. You know, you've got this giant black thing attached to your face that's sure. you know a foot and a half long. I mean, that you know, people could argue that, or using a monopod is dorky. You know, or using a tripod. Using a is monopod dorky. is dorky. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's you know, there's all these different degrees of dorkiness. You have sure, to, sure. You have to come to terms with, and it's like, look, if 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 that's the tool that you you choose to use to get the yeah. job done to get your yeah. thing, it's like deal with it. Like dude. The, just the whole the whole photo vest thing. You know, Nick Nolte yeah. could pull it off in that movie there's, about photographers. But there's one awesome use for the photo vest, and I will uh, I will stand by this 100, percent and it has to do with traveling. If you happen to be the sort of photographer who finds himself traveling on airplanes and you do not want to deal with checked baggage, there's a really fascinating little loophole that you can exploit um, in that you're, 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 they, very, they regulate very strictly the, uh, the size and capacity of the bags that you're allowed to take on the plane, right? But not the clothing so it, you're wearing? It has, to, it has to fit above the seat or under the seat. But if you happen to have a jacket or a vest with a ton of stuff in it, there's really nothing they can say about it. You know, they'll, they'll allow, I know I've read blogs and, and, you know, talk to dudes who literally will wear their cameras and lenses around their neck, you know, with straps just so that they can, you know, get their shit on the plane without having to check it. So it's like extra carry on. Yeah. Like your body, you know, what you're wearing counts, you know, they, they can't, they can't make you take your jacket off. Uh, and in fact, there's a really com- really cool company called Scott Evest. Scott Evest, you ever yeah, heard that's exa- yeah, but that's exactly the kind of stuff that I think is really nerdy. It, uh, I'm not saying it's not nerdy, but I am saying like, look, if you if you don't want to deal with you know separating your stuff out and then you can and, have and a, running the risk you of can checking have an in- inner pocket on your shirt that fits an iPad. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. you can have a pair. You know, there's an iPad size pocket on your on your pants that you can you can keep an ipad oh, in your that's pants really nerdy <laughs> uh so i'm just saying that's that's no, a I, really I cool advantage saying, yeah. so if you're traveling and you want to you want to maximize your uh your your carry-on potential getting getting a camera vest or or you know or a garment like a scotty vest because uh, they make jackets and other cool looking stuff and some of them are not that dorky looking dude i mean you look like a dork when you're when you're all you know decked well, out and you have all yeah, your if, stuff if you have but if them, it's empty it's not that bad well right but you, the whole point of them is to put stuff in them correct i don't know it's uh yeah well we'll have to see what people say about that i think it's pretty dorky i like i want to look as minimal as possible sure and i'll put stuff down as opposed to carry it you know, I agree. Uh, whenever possible, 
Uh, but some people like carrying everything they have on them, or they're doing events. That's a whole other thing, which yeah, I that's, don't and that's, do. that, it really boils down to what what are you doing and what's the sure. expectation? Yeah. I mean, if, you yeah. know, if you are expected to catch these moments and you have to, you can't afford to miss them, then you got to make a you got to make it work. It's true. Dorkiness right. or not? Uh, dorkiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says the guy who's getting a whole laser cut and a piece of lucite. Ahem, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, All right. Thanks uh, for coming by. You can find us on the internet at uh, circuitous.tv. Yes, questions and comments are which is more where, than welcome. Yeah, where we're posting everything. And uh, there's a Twitter account, CircConf. Yep. CircConf. Uh, uh, and uh, I'm at Bill Wadman. He's at Dan Gottesman. Uh, anything else? I don't think so. Oh, you know, we also recently, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed in the show notes, we've been... Um, tagging some of our items with Amazon links. Um, We decided that uh, there's a couple of little things that we want to buy that would make the podcast sound better and and make it easier to do. And we said to ourselves, well, sure, we could spend a little bit of money on this, but wouldn't it be cool if the podcast could sort of pay for it? And we're like, yeah, all right. So we decided to open up one of those Amazon affiliate accounts. So... I don't know if you guys know how this works. It's real simple. You just basically click on the link. You don't need. You, you don't even. Need, the cool thing is that you don't even need to buy the thing that you clicked on. Like once you've once you've sort of entered the Amazon store via that link, whatever you actually end up buying, we still. You know, you still the, the affiliate still gets a little bit of a credit for it. So if you're gonna buy Amazon stuff, click. Through yeah, one and of you're those feeling links. generous, and you want to give yep. us a hand with the with a couple of cool purchases. Could be thirty or forty cents in our favor. Amazing, one cent at a time. So yeah, that, I just thought I'd mention that. But uh, but yeah, man, we we appreciate your your listening and uh, welcome any feedback and um yeah have have a good week. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, perfect. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.